Hi, welcome to Rethink Games with Scott Novus, and I'm your host, Scott Novus. And in this third episode, we're going to continue our series on how to start a great in-person esports community. And we're going to look at the second step. So a quick recap, our seven steps are you start with your people, your purpose, your place, your platform, your processes, your progression, and play. Those are our seven. So last week we talked about people. This week we're going to move on to purpose. And there's a real interesting divide in the esports community, especially with on-campus programs. Are you going to focus on competition or are you going to focus on community? And I had the great privilege of going to Chicago and seeing two programs side by side that are both excellent and they have two different viewpoints. One is highly focused on competition. The other one is highly focused on community. So here you go. It's Here's why it matters is that when people tend to focus on competition, a lot of resources very often are focused heavily on getting to win. It's a a win focus. Very, very common with athletic departments. It's hard to have a healthy athletic department with a lot of boosters when you don't win a lot. So there tends to be a very big focus among that mindset of we want a program that wins. Now, every educational institution I know of says student then athlete. So they want student, then competitor. So developing the student is their first and foremost priority. So even when you still have a competition bent, there is a focus on helping the whole person grow. In my experience, competitive focus environments tend to be relatively small. They tend to be dozens of people uh, at most. It could be 5, 10, 15 players that they're going to be focusing on. Community focus, however, could be much larger. Uh, the DePaul eSports program engages a shocking 1,200 students. That's an order of magnitude to most of the competitive teams that I've heard of. Now, that's not to say they don't have competitive teams, but their focus is creating an entire culture of engagement around eSports. So they tend to be focused on a much broader number of games and clubs and interests. So there's not one president, but several of them because they're facilitating. They literally went from three clubs before they endorsed eSports to they now have 15 clubs. So depending upon what your motives are, what your goals are, what is your vision for your program, you want to sit down with you and the faculty advisor, or if you're the faculty advisor with your president, And say, what is our long-term vision for this program? Is our goal to engage community and grow the number of people that are participating? Or is our focus on competition? I'll tell you something else that's kind of interesting about that. When you run into the competition mode, very often it becomes extremely PC-centric. There is an attitude you'll run into every now and then where people will start to feel like um Only PC games, the League of Legends, only games with huge prize money are eSports. I don't believe that's true. It is my belief, and uh, from the research I've done, what we're really talking about is the utility of healthy competition. And you don't have to go online to have healthy competition. There's a number of games, many of them console-based, that are very vibrant, passionate, in-person eSport communities. And I look at it as, is there an opportunity in the long run for somebody to develop a professional career, earn a living from video games? And the truth is, we see that in a wide range of areas. Yes, certainly there's a lot of press, a lot of buzz around the major 
eSport programs that happen on PC. However, there's people earning a living streaming Smash Brothers gameplay. And if you can earn a living doing it as a profession, I think that makes you a professional. So, when you get down, here's a couple of things to consider. Is if you're going to go for a highly competitive-based environment, is in a competition focus, you're going to want to pick on the games where you have an opportunity to assemble a team that has a chance to win. And so you're going to be looking at the top key games in that area. The games you're probably looking at, you're going to focus on League of Legends. You're going to focus probably, possibly on Dota. Rocket League is extremely popular. Fortnite. Um, Internet is going to be essential. Uh, Overwatch. I forgot Overwatch. There will be a list uh, I'll put in the show notes. And in the transcript, we'll break that down. But you're going to start with trying to recruit ranked players. And now recruiting becomes uh, a big issue, just like any other competitive sport. You're going to try to bring in people that have the potential to develop your program. And coaching is going to be absolutely essential. And so the structure of your program is going to look pretty different because you're going to start by recruiting people that have competence. You're going to want to develop a program around their schooling that allows them to develop their skill as an individual and you're going to need teamwork is how you're going to succeed in your platform competing with other schools you're going to have to look at what leagues you're going to get involved in what tournaments there's a myriad of programs out there so the decision to focus on competition is going to drive a lot of later decisions you're going to make in your program i'm personally a fan of community esports because it doesn't preclude competitive excellence very often when we go down the competition route, what gets left behind is the idea of building a large in-person community at your school or campus. And so very often what I've seen is that when people go down the competition route, they end up largely PC only. And they, like I said, they end up with the number of teams they expect to compete with. Now, when you go to the community side, it tends to be way more inclusive and you can end up with a larger number and share in different types of games that'll be available. So the types of games that you might see are certainly the fighting community games that are extremely popular. Smash Brothers is extremely popular, but it doesn't preclude adding all of the other games. So with as few as a dozen PCs, DePaul manages to engage, like I said, over a thousand students. Our programs use dozens of consoles, and we're able to similarly engage hundreds of students. The city of Maricopa has a very robust recreational program that engages hundreds and hundreds of players, and it's a similar size, scope, and scale. So when you move down the community route, you're going to take a slightly different approach, because now the focus isn't so much on recruiting as inclusion is how can I include you in our program? How can we give you access to our facilities? How can we support your endeavors? And now the focus tends to be on structures that are much more about marketing and communication and access to facilities and scheduling time. It becomes more of a student life and support issue. And so as you work your way through all of these different programs, what you're going to start to see is a different emphasis is marketing becomes a much bigger issue with a uh, community-focused program than it does with a competitive program. Because a competitive program, you have your players. You recruited them. With a community program, you're continually inviting and trying to grow engagement enrollment at, let's say, your weekly tournaments. 
And so the focal point of a community program tends to be more event-driven, like a weekly, like every week we're going to meet. Um, you could also schedule open sessions for practice time and personal development. And one of the questions I frequently get asked is, is there a way to bridge the gap between competition and community? And the best answer I've seen and heard is, falls into the category of mentorship, is if you start developing, and this is really important, a ranking system among your players, you're going to rank them on a competition side, but on a community side, it becomes important as well. When you start identifying who are the more skilled players, is this is a tremendous opportunity for the faculty advisor and the student president to come together and begin to instruct the more talented players in the concepts behind mentorship. And they can begin to mentor and educate newer players that are coming into the scene. And both parties benefit from that style of relationship. There's an old saying in the medical industry is you watch one, you do one, you teach one. So one of the most powerful tools you can use to advance your own skill set in almost any discipline is teaching it to someone else. It forces you to think conceptually about what you're doing and make it accessible to someone else. So there's benefits for both the mentor and the mentee in that relationship. And so if you can cultivate an environment of mentorship within your community program, I believe it's possible to have the best of both worlds. You can have highly competitive teams that foster a community around them that allows you to affect a very large footprint of people. So when you go back, in summary, stage two is you want to look at your purpose. What is the purpose of your program? Is it to have exclusively focused on high levels of competition or is it to have community? My recommendation, go for community you can absolutely cultivate an attitude of competition inside of a healthy community. When you focus only on competition, I have yet to see that produce the same large footprint that we're seeing in the community focus. So that's your 10-minute Tuesday uh, with Rethink Games. I'm your host, Scott Novus, and I hope you found that useful.